I have observed as I get to dance, I often describe with interesting people doing interesting things, that one differentiator is very true. And it doesn't mean that you're stuck with it, but at certain part of your life, you want to build, you want to fix, or you want to let it run. And I feel like you're, it's not that you get to be the, it turns out you like to build and you have had all the experiences now. And so you don't see yourself as the boss. You get to see yourself as a builder. Is that fair? That's absolutely right. I get to build and that is important to me because for so much of my career, I was learning. And that's not to say that I'm not learning. I'm gonna keep learning. Learning for me is part of the joy. But I know enough, I've experienced enough at this point that I do get to build. And it's fun to start at the beginning. From Cobalt at Home, this is Humans of InfoSec, a show about real people, their work, and its impact on the information security industry. This is gonna be a weird, different episode. Yeah, I don't even know how to say your name correctly. Will you, will you tell folks how to say your name correctly, please? My name is Yael. It is hyphenated on the second syllable, Yael. So good. I used to say that it was like Yah as in Yahoo and L as in Ellen. And then Yahoo became a company that like stopped being relevant. (laughs) (laughs) And when I lived in Atlanta for five years, I didn't realize how close Yael is to Yaal. Because I had grown up very much in a community of Jewish people. I went to a Jewish day school and I lived in New York and I lived on the coast of travelers. But in Atlanta, Yael is a lot like Yael. So good. It's like a two week learning curve and it's, I will correct you, but you do a great job. I I love it. Yael and I are here. And usually I interview our guest and today Yael is here to interview me. I don't know what's going to happen. I do know it's going to be fun. I am curious to also dig into your journey story, if you will. Yeah. Um, but it changes the energy to do that, doesn't it? It does. It, it absolutely does. And I, I love, and I love <gasps> that that is the way in which you care about this conversation. Yes, we totally became friends during COVID. I have no idea how tall you are. Like, as far as I know, you could be 4'10", you could be like six feet tall. I have no idea. So this is a funny story, but I am 5'3", maybe. I wasn't my tallest 5'3". My kids are confident that I'm like 5'2", but they think that I'm tall still because they're that size. But my friends from college um, laugh all the time because I'm always surprised whenever I take a picture with them and we look at the picture and I'm like, God, am I that short? Because I really feel like I'm their height every time. Every time. How tall are you? I'm five, six. So I'm just like, you're tall. I am tall. I am tall. And it's unusual. It's unusual to be tall and like Chinese, but I am like unusually tall. I mean, that's not surprising at all because you're an unusually tall and Chinese person. I love that you identify as Chinese. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. Where did you grow up though? San Francisco. My uh, my parents are Chinese immigrants. You know, we can get into all of this. My parents are Chinese immigrants. I grew up in San Francisco, and I was like the San Francisco kid. And then they and your like parents moved here. That's correct. That's correct. My my mother moved to San Francisco at age thirteen, and my father moved 
at age 17. They met each other at age 19 at UC Berkeley on campus and they got married freaking four months later. It was so nuts. And like, but that's because they somehow knew and they had asked each other whatever the questions were from yep, their parents in their hometown. Like, oh, perfect. They knew. they knew. I love that. And you are a mom. Yeah. You are like probably a mom first. Or I don't know. Are you a mom first? Or I, a first? Or, I am uh, a boy first. I am a mom first. Yeah. There's just no question about it. There's just no question about it. So let's pick up. We got your origin story. And now tell me your career story. So I know that you're at Cobalt because yep. to me, you're the face of Cobalt also. But I also know of Cobalt as a pen test company. And I don't know really your professional, how you got to Cobalt and then your role at Cobalt, but I would love to. Cool. So I was born in San Francisco to Chinese immigrants that becomes relevant for my career story because at 16 my father asked me what I wanted to study in college and I said I would like to study dance or psychology and I don't even know why he asked me this was similar to years and years later uh, he and my mom were going to change the color of their house and he asked me what color I thought they should do it and it was like why did you even ask because you're not taking it into consideration. So when I said to him, I would like to study dance or psychology, he said right back to me, you're going to study engineering and you're going to do it at the best school you can get accepted to. And so I went to UC Berkeley and I studied electrical engineering and computer science. My junior year, I got an internship at eBay. When I graduated, I asked my internship manager if I could have a full-time role. And he said, uh, in IT, which is the department I was working in, uh, they had a hiring freeze, but there was an entry-level position on the information security team and that I should apply to it. And the rest is sort of history. Um, I did not know at the time that eBay was an extraordinary place to be working in information security. I did not know that I would get to work for Dave Cullinane, our CISO, I did not know that he would ask me to be the chief of staff to the team, that we would grow the team from 20 to 60 people, from $2 million to $30 million annually, uh, that I would write a book on security metrics, uh, loved that job, loved that team, learned so much, dedicated the book that I wrote to Dave. Um, you know it was time to leave. It was time to leave because it had been five years. And for folks who are familiar with the San Francisco Bay Area commute, I drove from San Francisco to San Jose every day for five years, and it was just too much. And I also, it was my first job out of college, and I didn't know how good I had it. So where did you go next? I went to Zynga. There was a shiny, flashy thing called Zynga. And the industry, though, right at the right time. Super interesting. Farmville was blowing up. And Zynga was an early adopter of AWS Cloud. Very interesting technology things going on at that organization. Very interesting data things. Look, the gaming industry, right? When you think about protecting mm -hmm. computers, is this is interesting, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what was your role there? I was a manager on the information security team reporting to the CISO. I did policy and program. I wrote the acceptable use policy and all the information security and IT policies to take Zynga public. Can I just say to anyone who's looking for someone to fill their board seat, <laughs> <laughs> that experience 
is it. Because I bet you that was foundational for every other role you've had since. It was. It was. And it was, it was a fun, challenging, stakeholder so did thing. You get, did you get promoted while you were there? I think so. I don't remember. That was a long time ago, yeah. Okay, so where did you go from there? So then I went to Symantec. Okay. How did you get to Symantec? Um, Who brought you? Did you apply? How did you switch jobs? I always. Yeah. Yeah. So I got recruited by Kurt Van Etten. Kurt is currently leading product over at Red Seal. Um, and Kurt said, come on, let's do this thing. Let's do something new and different and awesome when it comes to governance, risk, and compliance. Um, and it was such a okay, fun Amazing. Uh, and so it, you went there to do what? Global product management. It oh. Was, yeah. Was on, so you switched sides. You stopped from being back office and now you're dealing with customers. That is right. I went That's from- That's a huge shift. Yeah. It was, it was a big Who shift. Who taught you that? Who taught you how to do that? Make that Kurt, Kurt Van Etten taught me how to do that. He is an extraordinary product leader. And he knew how to talk to you because he knew where you were coming from. So he, And so tell me what your role was. Global product management for control compliance suite just for a year because Symantec at the time had something like four CEOs in four years. And the CEO in place when I started had a similar vision as I for our product line. Uh, and the new guy had a different vision, which was oh, totally wow. fine. It just wasn't my vision. Great. So then you got recruited or went looking? Then, gosh, I guess I went looking. I'm not really sure okay. how the digital thing happened. Oh. Yeah, management digital. consulting. Management consulting, pre-synopsis, I did BSIM assessments. I led more than three dozen BSIM assessments. And this was the stage in my life when I was like, software assessment. I understand that Sigital did it differently. They did. They Tell did. Me. Tell me how they did it differently. So they did it differently because there are many people and frameworks in the security that say, this is how to do it. This is what you should do. It's very prescriptive. Sigital took a different approach and said, we want to observe what people are actually doing. It is a descriptive model because there's a difference between saying, I have a good idea. You should do this thing. Square, peg, round. Right, peg. right. And actually having a good enough idea and getting enough buy-in and resources to actually make it operationally occur. That's a difference smart people and trust and execution and, and implementation. Execution. You got to make stuff happen and making stuff happen involves working with other people. <laughs> Which you do very well, by the way. I do love people. people love very people. well. <laughs> you are able to see somebody where they are and see their sparkle as I describe it. And then connect that to a different person's language. And you are like that receptor. I have decided to surround myself with people that sparkle. That increases my sparkle. And the sparkle just 
multiplies when I have an opportunity to introduce one sparkle to another. And if somebody makes me feel like I don't sparkle, then I just don't hang out with them. And life has gotten better since I decided to do that. It's so amazing. And you don't have to change it in every part of your life. But if you can commit to doing it in one part of your life, like work, yep. where it's more of a choice, yep, and then you can see how it works, you will find people who don't know their sparkle yet, find their sparkle in being cleared of heavy clouds. Totally. It's about self-awareness. And it, in my case, it applied not only professionally, but also personally. I ended my first marriage because of a level of self-awareness that was not always there that developed where I got to say, oh, like, this is not me sparkling and I want to sparkle. And so I need to end this and try something new. I get that. Totally. I get that. Um, I uh, similarly had a decision point somewhere in the probably same years of our decision points where I decided professionally, I only wanted to work with people who I like and only doing things that I like. Yes. And that was what I had to do to find my sparkle. And sometimes it changes. Like for a while, it's been, you know, executive comms for a while. The sparkle has to be geared towards metrics, right? Like there are different parts of the interest areas that I'm convinced all come together for wherever you're going. Yes. You know, I have observed as I get to dance, I often describe with interesting people doing interesting things, that one differentiator is very true. And it doesn't mean that you're stuck with it, but at certain part of your life, you want to build, you want to fix, or you want to let it run. And I feel like you're, it's not that you get to be the, it turns out you like to build and you have had all the experiences now. And so you don't see yourself as the boss. You get to see yourself as a builder. Is that fair? That's absolutely right. I get to build and that is important to me because for so much of my career, I was learning. And that's not to say that I'm not, learning i'm gonna keep learning learning for me is part of the joy but i know enough i've experienced enough at this point that i do get to build and it's fun to start at the beginning it's fun to have you that have a career path of writing policies and standards you know which one to do first before the other that's right that's you right you gotta do it organizationally yes yes dude that's Awesome. And it sounds like it's not just you there. We have extraordinary people at this company. And I get to work with them and it is fun. And then they pay me for it, which is just (laughs) awesome. And they pay me really well, which is also awesome. Let me ask you a question. This company is going to soar. You're doing great. They value you. But you just learned that you like to build. Yep. And that's going to, it's an interesting drug at some point. Because at some point you get to the size and it could be once you're like 40,000 people and once you've been acquired four times, like who knows? Like I'm not saying it's fast. Yeah. But that you like to build and the building, you don't feel it as much when you're so big. You like to feel the feeling that like the texture under your toes. I do. I like the change. 
you know, I've been there, I've been here for nearly six years, and it has definitely been six companies between now and then. To be consistent and have long tenure at a growth company is to demonstrate agility. And that is the case for myself, as well as for my colleagues who started in the quote unquote early days. You know, the great companies of the world, the Amazons and the Netflixes of the world, these are 20 year plus companies. We are just getting started. It's going to be another five companies in the next five years. And I cannot wait to meet each and every single one of them. And how will you flex and adapt the way in which you interact with every new joiner? Yeah, so it is different, you know, we're going to, I hear you got sad. Yeah, we're going to like really getting to know every new joiner. I do. I do. I loved, I loved the company when we were 10. I loved the company when we were 50. I loved the company when we were a hundred and it's different now. And I can mourn the loss and the passing of a phase while at the same time embracing the new one. The last time I got to see everyone in the company was January, 2020. The next time I'm gonna see folks is gonna be in Mexico in July. And I will not know like maybe half of the people. And that is gonna be weird. And it's also gonna be great. I met a new director at our company yesterday and I was like, you are very awesome. Like, you know what's awesome is that <laughs> your last hundred people that you, you know, when you saw them last, you all ha- shared the same culture, energy, desire. And that's when you left and went off into the COVID. Yeah. But somehow you managed to keep that torch burning. Yeah. And some probably will have shifted along the way only to be more appropriate or exactly what we need and it'll be really interesting to see how that comes together I won't be surprised if somebody walks away and says we need to start to document more of our how we do you know onboarding or engagement or what oh absolutely absolutely you know I I interviewed candidates for roles this week and as I'm filling out our scorecards in greenhouse we actually have codified in the scorecard process, rating people according to the four cobalt values. We have had to put structure in uh, where things just happened magically before via one-to-one relationships. At scale, things are different. Yeah. But the good news is most people have some experience with that or you get to teach them. Although that's an interesting, you know, challenge. It is interesting. And it's like, <sighs> you're a natural teacher though. You teach the LinkedIn learnings. You speak at, you know, all of the cons, you know, the risk cons and the, I forgot all the names for all the cons. You're probably like at secret con or like hidden con. Whatever. There are all these like cons now. All the cons. You, you're a teacher. I am a teacher. I always wanted to be a teacher. And I said to my Chinese immigrant parents, I want to be a teacher. And they said, you should want to do something that makes more money. And it turns out as a mom, <laughs> as a mom, however, who came out of COVID, I agree that we don't pay our teachers nearly enough Definitely. for their roles. Definitely. They're shaping how people 
get launched into everything. My daughter's coding and math teacher who lives on the other side of the planet has become one of my very best friends. I appreciate the gift that she has given to my daughter and to our family so much. It is, it is extraordinary. And I, and I love that I get to teach in this role. I love that I get to say, here's what I've observed. Here's what I think, because it is this ongoing experiment. It's like when you, it's like when you plant a seed and watch a tree grow. It's like when you have a kid and you watch that kid grow, like my six-year-old is not the same person that she was when she was five or four or three. And I miss my three-year-old daughter and I love my seven-year-old daughter. And it's kind of like that in a weird way. But also more complicated because like I asked my mom for help with my 10-year-old daughter problems. And she's like, these are problems that we didn't, I don't, I don't know. Because, you know, the world is so different. And I feel the same in cyber also. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. That it's, changed. Are, it's changed. We, we, none of us know, right? We don't know what's going to happen. And that is something that I have over years of life experience developed a relative comfort level with. We don't know. And all we can do is our best. And I think that it involves self-awareness and surrounding yourself with extraordinary people and having just like a little bit of trust and a lot of persistence. <laughs> so how would you, I agree with that entirely, that you have to just kind of say, I got, I say to my daughter, I know what I need to do and I got this. Yes. Right? Like that's, I know what I need to do and I got this. Yes. Um, how, what would you say to your younger self? My younger self was a very anxious person. I am a little less anxious now. And part of it is because horrible things have happened to me. My beloved father passed away in 2015. And that was one of the worst things that's ever happened to me in my life. And I know now that bad stuff will happen and I also know that I will survive and I will emerge on the other side and I will be a different person. And there might be so much joy that I couldn't imagine. I, I moved. I was born in San Francisco. I thought I was going to live there forever. Now I live in the Pacific Northwest. That move was hard for me. And I could not have imagined how good it would be. So I would go back to my younger self and I would say, look, Stuff is going to happen and it's going to be very difficult and you're going to be very sad and you're going to be very angry and it's going to be okay. You can actually trust your future self to handle whatever comes up. You can trust your future self. And that has helped me to become a little less anxious. Thank you for that and for recording that message. Yeah. Thanks for asking. But I want to ask forward because I can't not because you know when you think about the I, I know for sure you don't know what your future is I'm not even going to venture to ask that's like the craziest question I am curious to know as a obsessive studier as you are and teacher and repackager of information with situational awareness and experience what do you 
think are the skills that as a business leader or a parent, we should be talking about now that yep. we'll need for the next step. That will be my, where I, I want to, I have last conversation with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it comes down to values. I think a lot of it comes down to asking yourself, what do you value? Defining those and then coordinating your actions accordingly, coordinating your decisions accordingly. Because like you said, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what challenges are going to occur. We don't know what solutions we're going to have to come up with. We don't know what kind of difficult decisions we're going to have to make. But there is value in there, there's there's something that we can do. There's something that is within our I think control. it's really interesting, this point about, sorry, I'm going to cut you off. No, go for it, please. Because the reason you're bumbling on the word is because every person's definition of it is different. And that is a conversation that we have at home with family and at work. Yes, yes. And they don't have to be consistent forever. You don't have to. No, I do they, not they have, have the to same values. The environment. They have to adapt That's right. to the situation. That's right. I do not have the same values that I did when I was 17 years old. I do not have the same values that I had when I was 29 years old. And that is okay. But there is. They're all better. I can't wait to meet your like 60 year old. My, my 80 year old Caroline is a badass lady. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. doubt. She is like sitting on the floor with like the teenage. She's the only one that the teenager thinks is cool. Who's like not a teenager. And like every other person who's younger than is like, what? And she's like, whatever, you don't get it. And that's it. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. There is so much goodness ahead for all of us. I believe it. Well, I, uh, Look forward to giving you an in-person hug and making you part of our official family at your East Coast Annex. I'm just exploding with joy. Thank you so much for this. This has been such a gift to me. And I can't wait to interview you next. That gives me all the feels, as you might imagine. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be so, so fun. I know it will. I know it will. I know it will. Humans of InfoSec is brought to you by Cobalt, a pen test as a service company. You can find us on Twitter at Humans of InfoSec.